<laughs> Shall we begin? Welcome to the Happy Monster Cast. I'm your host, Scott Marshan Davis of Happy Monster Press. Let's begin now. This week on the Happy Monster Cast, we interview Brendan and Jung Su of the Roll20 Gang. My name is Brendan. I will be playing Leviticus Overton, a quick flex glitter boy. So with me tonight uh, is our special guest, Brendan of the Roll20 gang, a veteran of the Roll20 gang, one of the ones who's been here from the very beginning. Welcome. Hello. All right. So to start off, how long have you been playing role-playing games? I have been playing role-playing games probably since sixth or seventh grade. I can't remember exactly when this was. So this would have been all the way back, uh, probably 1979, 1980. So we're talking about almost 40 years, if you can believe that. Given that I started about the same time, yeah, I can believe that. (laughs) So you can absolutely believe it. So a couple of veterans here. (laughs) So uh, what kept you in the hobby? It's fun. First of all, I mean, I think that's the biggest thing. If, if it were not fun, if it were not uh, an engaging way to spend time, I wouldn't keep doing it. What I really like about it is that it is an imaginative pastime, right? Um, I, mean, I think you were the one that first introduced me to the phrase, uh, the theater of the mind. And that's that's really what it is. I mean, whether you're doing um, tabletop stuff, you know, very minimalist with just sort of pencil and paper, or whether you use figurines, or whether you're playing uh, like sort of you know, on the on a roll twenty kind of a platform as we are online these days, playing remotely. So much of what you're doing takes place in the imagination, and that's what I really love. One of the other things that I also like about it, of course, is just the the random rolling of the dice. You know, w- whether you're attacking, defending, uh, unlocking a chest, or you know whatever you're doing, there's just a random element of how the dice are going to roll and sometimes they favor and sometimes they operate against you and you just never know what's coming next cool that's actually a unique answer i don't think i've had that someone uh, toss out the random factor of it before so given that it was 1979 uh, i'm gonna guess that your first game was the venerable dungeons and dragons first edition baby way back <laughs> the, the, the one the one with the picture on the cover of the guy climbing the statue and stealing the jewel from uh, uh from from the eye of the, the big stone statue yeah way 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 back <laughs> So what do you remember about it? <laughs> you know, I if I recall now, now this is going back quite a ways, and there's a lot of games that took place between then and now, so I, my things might be blurring together. But what I think I recall was that I was playing a uh, I was playing a ranger, and it, it, I, I recall that it was a mixed forest adventure dungeon crawl, pretty standard for that that era of gameplay, right? Absolutely. And so it was the usual thing. Where, I mean, I, and I think that I played a ranger because it was a uh, kind of a mixed character. I mean, I could do melee, I could do missile attacks, and I, I mean, I, I think I had a little bit of, of magic using ability, but primarily from magical objects. But it was, you know, the usual thing. I mean, you, you know, you're in a town, you meet up at a tavern, there's a posting for work, you, you get the party together, and you go off adventuring. One of the things that was uh, that was really neat about it, of course, this is, now remember, this is way, way back, and this is like my first time playing. So all of the the game mechanics were new, the adventures were new, exploring the dungeon was new. I got to hear about weird, bizarre creatures like a gelatinous cube. I mean, this was just... <laughs> 
<laughs> this was just so, you know, so cool. And of course, this was also in the era when to play Dungeons and Dragons meant that you were also a devil worshiper and you were antisocial and you were probably an anarchist. And so there was a little bit of that going on, too. So that made it all fun. Yep, the satanic panic. Say, the- exactly. That's like <laughs> feeding absolutely into that. And there was, you know, there, there were, I think I don't recall if my school actually had the posters up, but I know that some schools did have posters saying, oh, don't play D&D because it's it will lead you down a, a wrong path or something. I, you know, I don't know. Well, I know uh, many, many players that I've heard of got their start with D&D via the Monster Manual. That was really what hooked them in. So, oh, yeah, yeah, the Monster, <laughs> the monster Manual. And I mean, and I would I had a friend who had the books and um, he you know, so he'd bring him to school and, and we'd be in the back of Spanish class looking at monsters instead of, you know, instead of studying Spanish. But I like the DM guide, too, because, you know, kind of exploring all the kind of arcane rules and uh, and everything. I, I just even got a sense back then that there was so much that you could do with this. And it was just, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. Deck of many things. Yep. yep. <laughs> There's a classic. <laughs> so aside from D&D and uh, now Savage Worlds, uh, what other game systems have you played? Oh, God, you know, over the years, I mean, so all of the editions of d and I, I think I think first and second, certainly in in grade school and high school, I think in college, we might have been up to third edition, but that might have been second edition still. I think I know we were still second. Yeah. Second edition back then when we were playing back then. So this would have this, this was in the, the late 80s. I think we're still in second edition. And then fourth and fifth edition more recently, we have played Warhammer, Call of Cthulhu. I mean, they kind of blend together over the years. And then, there, you know, of course, the transition to uh, to PC gaming that drew so much in its inspiration from from D&D, you know, the uh, the Neverwinter and Neverwinter Nights campaigns and, and the Elder Scrolls and Skyrim and, and Diablo. I mean, it, they're all kind of drawing from the game mechanics of, of classic D&D. Oh, yeah. So thinking about the various campaigns you played, what do you think was your most memorable character? This is this is asking a lot, but <laughs> I think I, I think it would kind of have to be. I mean, or, or certainly one of the ones that was most memorable was I don't know if you remember the Warhammer campaign that we played. This would have been my senior year, your junior year in college. Yeah, I played a um, character called Ivan Killer of Gods, and he was I if I remember correctly, he was the guy that had the the the, the giant sword, painless and. You know, we would play that as, um, you know, kind of attacking. And, and the thing that I most remember about that that was most fun was the um, uh, was the, the, the battle cry that I always used in this. And the first few times that we were gaming together, I used it. You, know, you guys were all around there. It, it was like, oh, I can't believe you're doing this. You're getting sort of the character. And then it was annoying. And then it was really funny. Right. I mean, this was just like yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> this is, you know, uh, the attack part of it. So that guy you know, started off very slow in the Warhammer campaign, but I kept that one character going. And over the course of time, you kind of transitioned from one career to the next as you advance. And, you know, I mean, just the skill less skill list and uh, all the, the character stats got to be so tremendous that, that the character became so overpowered that it was just like walking through the world like a god, which was pretty cool. Do you get some of the same feeling from playing a gooder boy? <laughs> uh, you know, I do. I And, and that's... um you know, that's kind of nice I, 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 because that's the kind of character that I like to play, actually, uh, okay. is uh, I, I like to play tanks. 
I mean, I, I've certainly played over the course of uh, over, over the course of time. I played Matt for a while. I was really into playing Magic users, you know, and being this sort of subtle, you're choosing from the spells, but keeping all the different spell options open in mind. I, I, I found that it tended to distract me from the gameplay. You know, I was outside the character, and I was kind of looking at spell lists rather than kind of being sunk into the into the gameplay stuff. Thieves were fun to play. I've, I played that a little bit. But I, I found that what I really like to do and what I really enjoy in, in this is is less of the sneaking around and, and the, the kind of subtlety, you know, moving from shadow to shadow and just going in and going toe to toe with somebody and beating the <laughs> Them. that's just <laughs> you know I, you know or getting killed i mean you you take your lumps right uh but right. that's what i what i have I, I just find that just really tickles a uh, tickles a soft spot in. so when you're figuring out a character you start to build one how do you tend to approach building the character where do you start what kinds of things do you take into account and so on well, it's going to depend on what the character is, right? I mean, so if I'm playing a tank, then I will, of course, lean on those on those tank stats, the strength and agility and, and, um, and toughness or you know, whatever the uh, whatever the platform requires to make for a good tank. But the thing that I will also do is I'll work with the uh, the DM to say, well, you know, what do we got in the part? And I'm old enough to, to call people dms not gms um so, so you're not alone in that <laughs> yeah yeah i know I'm, I'm showing my i'm showing my either my age or my seniority but to talk a little bit about you know let's look at the whole party right because you want to have a, a little bit of balance in the party in terms of skills and powers uh, and ability first i'll sort of build those basic stats assuming what kind of character i'm gonna i'm gonna have and then i'll you know, kind of balance out some of the stats, but then look at the alignment of the character or, or personality traits as, as is, you know, how it's, uh, how it's set up, you know, here in Savage so that the party will kind of be coherent. And so that's a character that I'm going to be comfortable playing. You know, I mean, some people are, are, are very cool with playing, you know, evil characters that will betray the other people in the party. That's not really my my style. I mean, I, I could play that kind of character, but I don't really get a kick out of it. So I tend to avoid that. But then for the rest of the the stuff about character creation, I'll just kind of look at well, you know, how do you balance it with the rest of the party? Make sure it's all going to be good fun because ultimately that's what I want out of it. I mean, I want to have uh, a good party uh, experience, and that means you know not being just sort of the character that I want to be necessarily, and then letting everybody else mold themselves around me, but having a little bit of give and take to make sure that we're all going to be we're all going to have a good time playing. So the battle cry was an excellent example, but when you start getting into your character, how do you like to role play? Well, I, you know, I, I, I like to kind of decide what the personality is going to be. And some of that is informed by the backstory of the character. Some of it is is informed by the circumstances or the uh, the society that the character is going to be in. It's going to be decided a little bit, you know, sort of race and alignment, to be sure, is going to be uh, a factor in that. But a, a lot of what I try to do is to say, well, like, this is the this is the starting point for how the personality is going to go forward and what it's going to be. But ultimately, I don't I, I don't lean on that or the the, the character attributes so much that it would interfere with dynamics among the players. Right. So, you know, your, your character is, um, uh, comes from the mean streets of whatever, and he's not trusting and, and he's just looking out for himself. Well, okay. I mean, you know, that's cool. But if what that means that every time, you know, you and your pals are getting together to play, it 
ends up being a betrayal or an argument or something like that that detracts from the fun of just actually gaming, then I'll tone that down and I'll I'll talk say well the character has evolved since they're in the in the company of this um, this new band of brothers so to speak, and I'll just kind of focus on that. I mean, some of the, the the cooler character traits I'll carry forward, and I'll rely on that. Um, like in our current campaign with the with the glitter boy, there was one there was one instance I recall it was, it, it was in one of our sessions where we, you know we had to go into some some smaller space, and to do that, I would have to get out of my armor, and I decided that my character really didn't want to do that. I mean, it was, it was just very you know, not like sort of social anxiety about leaving the armor. And I kind of played that up a lot. And I really liked the way the rest of the other players and in character interacted with that. And it just made for a really cool dynamic. And what it meant is that the Glitter Boy, as this big, powerful tank, was not available to help the other characters. And so that kind of put a little twist on the situation to say, well, you know, where's our tank? Well, he's outside because he doesn't want to leave his armor, which was kind of a fun little uh, fun little incident. Yeah, that's an interesting one. And uh, of course, as as the GM or DM, yeah, <laughs> my job is to force you out of the armor at various points or, or encourage it just because with that weakness, if you give me that, my job is to play up to it. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, one of the, the other things is that I, I like being able to uh, play off of you. And, and I like the way that, you know, you operate the games to be aware of what's going on and you kind of modify things on the fly to pick up on stuff that's happening, whether it's uh, arising out of a roll of the dice or because we're making weird decisions or something like that. You kind of roll with it and say, okay, how can I use this to enhance the drama of the moment or to force people into doing things or, you know, maybe not comfortable with that will enhance some of the, the storytelling drama of it. I think that's one of the things I love about Savage Worlds as a system is that it really makes it easy for the game master to roll with that kind of thing because encounter balance is not a thing. You're not trying to figure out, okay, I've got, you know, three level four char- characters and one level five character. And therefore I have to hit this challenge rating. And it's just like, ah, dice explode. I'll throw whatever at you. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, that that has been my experience with the um, with the Savage platform is that the the game mechanics are they're forgiving and they're flexible, and it really lets things happen in a in in kind of a natural uh, organic way. If I if I can use that term without sounding too weird, things kind of naturally flow from from one event to another, guided by you and your you know understanding where you know what your original plot line was, and you can kind of make the call on the fly. Like, what do we stick with that? Do we take a take a digression do we come back to that do we cut that off and pick it up next week or you know whatever yeah one of the things i try to do as a gm which savage worlds also makes really easy is i try to keep track of what the antagonists would be doing if you guys weren't doing anything so like how what would be happening in the world if the players weren't there and then depending on what you guys do that might change what happens with them or it might not they might just be like ah these guys yeah. aren't really important. Yeah, I mean, it's a whole uh, it's a whole Rosencrantz and uh, uh, Guildenstern, right? I mean, you know, the, that all of the the people that we are fighting are not just like um, you know static sprites waiting for us to arrive. I mean, they're actually have some some activity and and some independent agency of us, and so the rest of the world is still moving, even though we're not there to observe. It. It's, it's nice. A phrase I don't know if you've encountered before, but it comes to mind in this context is quantum ogre. Quantum ogre. What, <laughs> yes. Oh, it doesn't move unless you look at it. 
uh, other way around. It's like, okay, I insist that you have an ogre. Therefore, uh, you guys enter the enter the temple complex, and whether you go left or right, you're gonna ha- you're gonna find oh, the ogre. There's the ogre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I was uh, when I was DM in, in one of the games that we were playing. Yeah, like you like you guys were coming up to a door or something, and you 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 turn the knob. And, okay, so we enter the door, and I said, okay, did you turn the knob clockwise or counterclockwise? And everybody in the room just froze. <laughs> They're like, uh, uh, yeah, way to panic your players. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> clockwise. And then I rolled the dice behind the screen and I said, oh, okay, well, the door opens. And so now they're like, oh my God, what could have just happened? You know, nothing. I didn't have anything planned. I just, I'm just messing with you. So it was fun. That was a good one. That's an interesting point. One of the things that I don't know if you've noticed in Roll20, but I do this there as well as in my in-person games is with Savage Worlds, I don't roll behind the screen. Right. That's on purpose. And the reason for it is the Benny mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a, it's a little bit different than, um, than like, you know, conventional tabletop where, you know, where it's, it's so your call, whether you want that to be a public role or, uh, or a private role. Right. The idea being that you guys need to, you need to have more information in order to decide, is this worth spending a Benny on or not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a that's an aspect of the of the game. Well, the whole Bennies is, um, I mean, obviously something that's you have on this platform that you don't have in international DMD or, or Warhammer or, or um, four thousand or you know or other platforms like that. And I I like that. Uh, I mean, I like the Benny. I don't always like sort of remember to use the pennies but it, it's um i mean it's kind of nice to have that in, in your back pocket because i mean you know you could be tripping along in a game and, and if you just hit a run of bad luck god i mean it just it just really hurts you know and just having some you feel like you have some agency in the universe maybe you right. try to benny a bad roll yes yeah, especially like it if you have and i use them in the uh, in the game that i play on savagerifts.com i particularly like using them if I have an amazing fighting role, for example, and then I just roll terrible damage. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what a waste. Oh, come on. How, you know, when am I going to get a, a, a hit roll like that so good? You know, yeah. Exactly. You can, yeah. You got to so follow through. Thinking back over the last 40 years, uh, what what's your <laughs> most what's your most memorable campaign or adventure that you played? Oh, you know, I I guess I would have to I go back to the, the to the to the one it was kind of a sprawling one that we played back in college and it was uh I mean, it was warhammer based um i think yep more warhammer fantasy roleplay just made a comeback yeah 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 we were doing a lot of warhammer for a couple of reasons I mean, one of the things that i liked about warhammer at the time was that uh it was entirely based on percentages right so it did it just used d10s which at the time i kind of admired the the more clean simplicity of it rather than um you know d4 d6 d8 d10 d you know d12 d20 um you know whether i still feel that way now i'm I'm not really sure but i I kind of admired the simplicity of it another thing of it was that just at the the time and the context you know we were all young and this is in in the salad days of our youth so to speak and it was just a i mean it's just a really cool thing we had been playing for a little bit and then after um i i I met up with some new friends i I met some other people on um in a class i actually brought them along 
you know, in, in senior year, people like, you know, uh, well, I, I, I recall names right now, but the, you know, some folks that, that I introduced to them because I had been talking to them on this, uh, on the survey trip that I took and I was ta- 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 telling them about the game and then they kind of got into it. Like, oh, really? That sounds good. That sounds cool. So I kind of brought them into it, into it. And it was nice to introduce a, some new people to the, um, to the game. And the other thing, of course, is that, you know, we were working hard. We were studying. We had a hell of a lot of homework to do. And, you know, it was kind of a high pressure thing. And it was really fun to just sort of kick back and beat up some monsters instead of having to worry about the, the difficult, complicated stuff of grades and labs and papers. And what are you going to do when you graduate? And, you know, all that sort of stuff. Oh, no argument there. Yeah. All, all right. right. So just to finish up, two questions about people who might not be role players now. So mm-hmm. if you had somebody who is coming into role-playing games for the first time, whether it's D&D or Savage Worlds or something else, what advice would you give to that new player? I, the, the advice that I would give to somebody who wants to get into gaming and wants to, you know, do an RPG or, you know, they've not done it before, they want to see what it's all about, is understand that your purpose here is just to have some fun. I mean, find a character that you want to play. I mean, if you have always wanted to be a big bruising tank, then just roll yourself up a tank. If you always wanted to be a thief or you always wanted to be, a, 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 you know, an elephant ranger or, you know, whatever. I mean, just roll up your character and get into it. Allow yourself to kind of sink into the world. And, and you know, I, I used the phrase earlier, the theater of the mind. If you need to close your eyes and just sort of imagine that you're standing there in a torchlit dungeon and there is, there, there's a door to your left, there's a door to your right, and there's a monster behind you. Just Imagine it. Just, you know, get into it. Don't get bogged down in the details. Don't get too concerned about the rules and the rolling and all that stuff. Let the DM worry about that stuff. Just, you know, get into it and have fun. And, and when you do the rolling, shout and surpri- in surprise and pleasure and celebrate that those natural 20s and just allow yourself to bemoan the unfairness of those critical failures and just, you know, <laughs> kind of get into it. I, I would say don't be uh, don't try to be a. Um, you know, a hair splitting uh, rule master. Don't get too bogged down. Don't split nitpick with the DM or beg for points or any junk like that. Just play within the spirit of your setting. If you're, if you're doing call of Cthulhu, then, you know, Hey, it's the thirties and go with it. If it's Warhammer 4,000 power up that techno armor and get going. If it's classic D and D sharpen the sword, you know, load up your spell books and off you go, you know, just have fun with it. So last question, uh, you're someone who made the transition into Savage Worlds after playing a couple of other things. Mm-hmm. So thinking of somebody who's coming in, maybe they've only played D&D. They're, they're like, hey, and I want to try something a little different, maybe a little pulp. Maybe I want to play superheroes in the American Revolution. Huh. What would, advice would you give to that person who's coming in from, say, D&D coming into Savage Worlds as a new player? Yeah, yeah. I, I would say Savage Worlds makes sense within its own context. Right. I mean, it, it's not exactly the same as D&D. It's not exactly the same as the other platforms you might be used to. It's it, it can be kind of loose. Um, it can be kind of flexible. It is not you know, like especially comparing to, say, uh, you know, fourth edition, D&D fourth edition, which was which is very nitpicky and, and sort of you know, rule bound. If you're if you're if you're playing stuff in Savage Worlds, just kind of be ready for the unexpected. Just stay in character. Whatever happens, I mean, you might be, you know, whatever character you are and somebody comes out to you that might be totally out of context just because of the way the worlds collide. You, know, you might have a cowboy and a spaceman together, metaphorically speaking. 
just roll. Or literally, or literally <laughs> in rifts. And, they're, they're, and you might be fighting, you know, a Balrog and a dinosaur and an alien invasion. You know what? Hey, okay. <laughs> you know, roll with it. Okay. Hey, this is what we're doing. Just stay loose and have fun. That's what, that's what you're gaming for in the first place, right? It's a game. Have fun with it. All right. Well, thanks for joining the podcast tonight, Brendan. Yeah, you'll be back again in our next actual play session. And I'm pretty excited because there's some stuff that's going to be coming out about the world pretty soon that I I hope that you guys will enjoy. Well, I will keep my armor powered up and I will (laughs) stay loose. All right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Guys, thanks. It was good fun. Thanks so much. Hi, my name is Jiang Su and I will be playing a an elf cyber knight named Mingbi. Well, thank you for joining me tonight on uh, this special edition of the Happy Monster Cast. Oh, boy. So what I've been doing is working on talking to all the players on the Roll20 gang to get a feel for you know, kind of your background in gaming, why you do what we do, why you've stuck with it for as long as you have, because many of us have been doing this for a really long time. So just to start off, uh, when did you first start doing role-playing games? I started gaming in college with you. I think Warhammer might have been my first game. And it was you, me, Brendan, Tim. I don't remember how Tim got added to the group, but there was Meg and Jen, I think. Is that the first campaign? I think that was about roughly the right group, yeah. Okay. So you're a rarity. You did not start with Dungeons & Dragons like most of us did. I did not. That's correct. So did you game after that until we started up again, or was it kind of on hiatus until the Roll20 gang formed up? Actually, it was off and on. After college, I played a little bit with some friends. Uh, one of my boyfriends, he played Cthulhu and other games. I did not really enjoy Cthulhu. It was a little bit too... The odds were just too horrible. Like every yeah. monster was just too excruciating. And yeah, there was there was an adventure on the Orient Express where we were stuck in the mountains. And I was supposed to play a selfish... like. I don't know, Russian, like aristocrat. And so I thought my character being selfish and, and, you know, slightly narcissistic after finding out that there was some dark evil thing and a bunch of cultists on the train, I would have run for the engine, uh, unhooked to the rest of the train and taken off. And, And people didn't like that. So they killed me. Seems like a perfectly reasonable response to any Cthulhu-based situation to me. You know, that's <laughs> what I would have thought. And and I even though I do appreciate that as a the games master, you don't want all of your players to just try to save themselves. And then after that, there was a break until I started LARPing in the masquerade. So that was the vampire ah, okay. live action. And it was it was fun. It was a little bit of work because I was living in Chicago and the masquerade was in a different city. So it, it was a little bit of a hike. But I think there I was uh, I got into it because some of my coworkers LARPed. And so we all kind of carpooled and did that for a while. That's pretty cool. So yeah. And then I, I stopped until uh, the Roll20 gang got pulled together. So what kept you going? With gaming, what, what kind of kept you kept you in it for a while and brought you back to it? I think the adventures, you know, if it's fun and if the people are fun is a, a big deal. You know, I did try to run a game myself based on 
the Hindu mythological pantheon from the Mahabharata, but it was at the end of college and people were moving away and stuff. So that only lasted a couple of months. But I think the idea of being sort of like a superhero, I guess, is fun. But yeah, working in a team, getting to try on different personalities a little bit, even though I, I think considering how many women play, I usually play a female character. (laughs) just to keep the balance. But yeah, I think that's why. Okay. So if Warhammer was your first game, what do you remember about the campaign? What memories pop up specifically? (laughs) Let's see. Um, I remember, I remember that there were some puzzles. I think I really liked the puzzle solving aspect and I, I liked how there was one character who will go nameless, but I think we both remember who was really strong and really stupid, but had read uh, the same books as you had. And so happened to know how to solve some of these puzzles. <laughs> and uh, his suggestions kept getting quashed because he was just too stupid to have any inkling on how to solve these puzzles. And we we're just like, we're going to die if we don't solve this. <laughs> so that was always fun. And then, you know, being powerful enough at some point that there were minor gods to fight. That was fun. And and there was one campaign I think Meg's now husband, David, ran for us. I don't know if you remember, but you played yeah. and there was this long history because he and his friends had been playing since they were I think in like high school or something. And they were now, you know, PhD students. That was really interesting to go into a world that had this long history that was outside of a game story. I mean, it was all something that was continual that he had been uh, GMing for gosh, it must have been at least a decade. So that was cool. Yeah, I do remember that one. And uh, at the time, I was playing a lot of thief-type characters. Yeah. And I rolled an absurdly good lock-picking score on a lock he didn't really want me to open. So <laughs> he had, he had to kind of... He, he knew what was behind the door. He just didn't want us to go there. So he <laughs> did his best to discourage us once I managed to pry the thing open. Sometimes those uh, yeah. golden BB rolls really get you. I mean, I remember that there was... um a shape-shifting half-drack. And at some point, I don't know what had happened, but I pretended that I was the half-drack and pretended to turn on the group. And everybody just kind of shrieked. And the GM had no idea I was going to do that, but thought that was great. So (laughs) I got some extra like experience point or something. That was kind of fun. If you are uh, an experienced GM, you love that stuff. You roll with it and the craziness happens. Yeah. No, it was really fun. Um, But, you know, my character wasn't a half-drag. I wasn't going to actually be able to pull off. So So if you think about the characters you played, what which one do you remember the best? What was your your favorite or the one that was the most memorable? Now, I tend to play ranged char- rangers. Do I have a favorite character? I mean... Uh, because I tend to play female rangers, <laughs> um, <laughs> they are kind of all similar. This um, the cyber knight. I'm trying to play a little bit more as a paladin type of character. Is that a struggle? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And then the last character I played, uh, who was kind of this, you know, spoiled sorority sister in um, an uh, ETU. Yeah, that that was a little different from who 
I generally am. So I, th- I feel like I did stray a little bit from who I was thinking that the character would be. But I mean, you know, you, you battle a bunch of demons and ghosts and stuff and it does toughen you up a little bit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see what you uh, what you do with Legion of Liberty when you're a Revolutionary War superhero. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the good news is uh, one of the things that I did in that setting with respect to gender is that since there's no gender bias in whether or not you get born with superpowers, uh-huh. I borrowed a little bit from Naomi Novik's Temeraire books. I don't know if you've, you're familiar with those or if you've ever run into them. No, not yet. Uh, Temeraire is basically the Napoleonic Wars, but with dragon. Oh, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that the main character runs into that he's quite shocked by early on is that as you have these dragons running around, they, some of them, some breeds of the dragons can only be commanded by females. Oh, nice. And including one of the most dangerous and powerful dragons, the long wings, who are acid spitters. And they're they're one of the two most formidable formidable dragons the British have access to. So, of course, they've got to have female aviators. And so they kind of have this dispensation to be, you know, wear men's clothes, operate like men. They're not really they're kind of outside the normal bounds of society. It sounds sort of like the female pilots in uh, Starship Troopers, right? Because all the females had to be. Yeah. So the the idea is that basically you're you're outside the rules if you're a superhuman. You're pretty much going allowed to operate as though you are male and with the appropriate privileges of a male in uh, early American society. So nice. The gender doesn't really matter. In fact, one of the nastiest enemies, and what it's not much of a spoiler because this one pops up in the very first adventure, is a woman named Jane Good, whose nickname is Mauler. <laughs> She's kind of a Wolverine analog. Okay. Little healing. Uh, she's she she has spines that protrude all over her body. Vicious attacker. All kinds of good stuff like that. Oh, good. Okay. So when you when you're putting a character together, uh-huh. what's your, how do you like to approach that? Do you kind of settle on this is the kind of things I want to be able to do, or a backstory, or how do you attack that? Some of it depends on the world that we're going to settle in, or you know, operate in. Right. So um, depending on what that space is going to be, you know, you you want it to be appropriate. I guess I do feel like there's certain qualities that I have uh, that is hard that are hard to suppress. Like I, I tend to be a little sarcastic. I tend to <laughs> there are just certain uh, ways that I, I'm going to deal with a situation that I don't necessarily want to change and in which case I just am going to pick a character or character traits that that will allow me to play that without breaking character too much. As far as powers, I mean, I do tend to be a fighter just because I think it's useful. And I think it's it somebody's going to have healing in the group. Um, so I don't need to be the healer. That's what I do in my real life. There you go. (laughs) I'm the mom. I do all that stuff. I don't need to do that in a game. But as far as kind of sneaking about and trying to get information, I'm I'm happy to do that in my real life, and I'm I'm happy to do that in game life. Fair enough. So when you're when you're kind of getting into character and you're you're getting to the role play aspect of it. Sounds like you you have a preference for playing someone that at least has a resemblance to you. Oh yeah. What, what kinds of things do you do to get in character when you're you're ready to do some serious role play type exercise? I don't know how good I am at it. So 
<laughs> I do try to remember, you know, what my abilities are and, and what my relationship to the rest of the party are. It's hard to be particularly haughty, even though I, I do think the Cyber Knight has a little bit of the, you know, there, there is some unconditional truth that should be adhered to. It is definitely more Kantian than, um, you know, nature or something. <laughs> so, but, you know, you don't want to be a complete dick to everybody in the group. I mean, that just doesn't sit well. And at some point, somebody's going to turn on you and just bop you on the head. And you really don't want that to happen. Hindu mythology, Kantian ethics. I think I'm going to have to footnote this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So thinking yeah. back on on the various things you've played, what's been your favorite campaign or favorite adventure? You know, maybe my first. I mean, because it was really just such a cool thing. And, um, you know, I'm old enough to remember it, you know, not well, but, you know, it's, it's the first time I ever played. And it was a gr good group of, of friends. It, it's, you know, I've kept a number of the group. Or I've kept in touch with a number of the group, including yourself. So, yeah, I mean, it, it was I think that was my favorite. OK, so if if you're. We're talking to somebody who is interested in getting into role playing, but had never done it before. What, mm -hmm. kinds of, what kinds of advice would you give that person? Oh, gosh. I mean, just try it. I don't know how else to say. Like, I think something that was interesting about our first campaign was that it was half women, right? Me, yep. Meg, and Jen. And it was Tim, Brendan, and I don't remember who else, but that's not. I think that was not particularly common, but I remember we insisted that when after some successful campaign, when when you guys went wenching and, and um, drinking, we insisted that we have our own pub. So we went and found um, what was it like the tr tripod and white wine? I think was, I think that was yeah something along those lines. Yes. Yeah, and and it was it was very accommodating of the game master to, to make sure that we we were also entertained but definitely speak up for what you want it's not to to play in a game means you participate and you kind of help create the story and if you're going to do that then you know try to create an adventure that uh, is good for you because I think that probably makes a more interesting experience for everybody I mean I think even the game master. <laughs> yep, no, I agreed. Yeah. And I would say that is far more typical now than it was in the you know late 80s, early 90s when we were playing. The, right. the gender balance at the table is very, very different than it was then. Right. If you look at a lot of the, uh, the personalities who are doing streaming and such, there's <laughs> uh, a pretty substantial number of women who are <laughs> going out there and doing stuff as well as some non-binary folks. Yeah. No, I have to say in the LARP, that was really... That was kind of a interesting experience because so much of it was also just dress up, you know, um, uh, for yes. people who want to kind of get into character. That that was it, it's different because not only are you speaking to each other, but you wear the costume or you you put the costume together. So I would say that the experience of sitting around in the same room rolling dice is different than dressing up and LARPing or, you know, playing online. So I guess given my preference, I would rather sit around in a room. And if, you know, we did live in the same 
space, I would be like, hey, let's have a dress up day. Everybody bring your <laughs> bring the weapon you think your character has and we'll we'll have it out. <laughs> Sometimes that can pop up in a strange way <laughs> for the last ooh, coming pushing 10 years now. Uh, huh? I've been going to Aresia in Boston, which is a general geekery convention. Okay. You get the Star Trek people, you get the anime people, you get the Dungeons and Dragons people, uh-huh. you get the comic people. Yeah, it covers all the all the bases. Uh-huh. And one of the things that they do, which is pretty cool, uh-huh. they have uh, historical combat recreation groups come in. Mm, right. So they have, uh, you know, they'll have people come in and do, uh, you know, here's how a shield wall works, and we're going to do broadsword fighting, and here's here's a phalanx. Here's a phalanx. <laughs> a yeah. really interesting one actually was Civil War bayonet fighting. Really? So they had, okay. Yeah, they had some guys come in, the Salem Zouaves, which was a real Civil War unit. Zouaves uh-huh. were these funky uh, French Foreign Legion, Middle Eastern inspired, very elaborate, colorful uniforms. And so they were showing off in their uniforms, bayonet fighting. But wow. for the last probably four or five years now, I've been running a game or two at the convention. And so at one point, I'm sitting at the table waiting for folks to show up. And this guy strolls up in full Roman legionary armor and gear. Nice. He's got the <laughs> shield. He's got the pilum. He's got the helmet <laughs> under his arm. Okay. He rolls up, sets down the shield and, and spear against the wall, takes a seat. <laughs> hey, I'm Adrian. How you doing? <laughs> Of course, your name is Hadrian. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Hadrian, uh, but yeah, that was that was pretty cool. You know, you don't nice. always often get a uh, a legionary. So of course, I had to say, "Salve, legionary! Welcome to the game!" Right, right, right. <laughs> and the nice thing about that convention, I think, is people have been coming back. So huh? that's a great thing about the Roll Twenty Gang too. I mean, some of you, you included, have been there since we started it up and are still mm-hmm. rolling along. So that's really fantastic to have that continuity of players. Cool. Well, I mean, I think you've you've made some effort to keep us all together so that's you know that's great so the last question i have for you uh (laughs) you this was your first experience playing savage worlds when we uh, started up with etu right what would be any advice for somebody who's coming into that particular game system as a either a new player or a player who's played something else and is uh coming into savage worlds as a newbie i mean i guess it's the first game system i played where it was modern times and human well, oh, modern times human monsters not nearly as is dark and, and disheartening as Cthulhu. I mean I, I guess Bennies were something that I, I had to get used to and just keeping track of that stuff. Like I, I'm still as far as rolling the dice and the wild wild dice is not something that comes naturally to me. So I'll roll and I'm just waiting for somebody to tell me how that was, <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah. oh, if I roll a 38 out of 20, I mean, I, I I know that's good, but otherwise I'm like, I don't know what happened. This is where roll 20 really helps you out, I think, especially with the new character sheets that uh, they've built there so that uh-huh. you don't really have to know, you just have to know what button to push. You don't yeah. necessarily <laughs> have to know the dice mechanics. Well, I know what, what button to push. I just don't know what happened after I look at the numbers. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Which is fine. I mean, like some monsters were not supposed to know how powerful they are with their, you know, if, if they have some type of armor or, you know, some kind of pairing skill or something. There are different schools of thought on that. Really? There's a school of thought that says, you know what? Yeah, you want to be transparent with the players so they know how to spend their bennies. 
Right. So yeah, just tell them what's going on. Yeah. But sometimes in real life, you hit somebody that you don't think is going to be particularly tough uh, and they don't budge. And you're like, oh, okay. Didn't didn't know it was going to be like this. Not right. that I get in fights often. Maybe I'm thinking more of movies. But. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for walking through your experience tonight. Okay. You can follow Happy Monster Press on Facebook as Happy Monster Press, at our website, happymonsterpress.com, Twitter as Happy Monster PRS, or follow the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play Music. The Happy Monster Cast is part of the Savage Worlds Media Network. This game references the Savage Worlds game system available from Pinnacle Entertainment Group at www.peginc.com. It is unofficial media content permitted under the Media Network Content Agreement. This content is not managed, approved, or endorsed by Pinnacle Entertainment Group. Certain portions of the materials used are the intellectual property of Pinnacle and all rights are reserved. Savage Worlds, all related settings and unique characters, locations, and characters, logos, and trademarks are copyrights of Pinnacle Entertainment Group. All other content is the intellectual property of Happy Monster Press. Background music is Jason Shaw's Ice Cold.